0: Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today, we're going to go over filtering your information principles, going to dive into bias, personal preference, and how that might impact our ability to make decisions on what we educate ourselves with going forward. We also have our book, Strength Deficit, leveraging eccentric versus Concentric ratios. That is your seminal resource to understand what concentric and eccentric training may do for your athletes or clients. I highly recommend checking that out. This would be a really good book for you to understand, a really dialed in framework. Reviews are phenomenal. Everyone's really fired up on it. Make sure you get your access to it. It's only available in print, so you can go on the website, phpodcast.com, so you can get your copy of that now. Also, we have a course coming out. It's called Practical to Strength Deficit. This is the user manual for what the actual manual of Strength Deficit is right so some of the feedback we got from the book is extremely technical it's very very routed in science kind of hard and very small sip it to pull from the practical aspect kind of see the overall picture but how do i apply it that's where this course comes in it is going to be over 15 presentations diving into not only the models but the physiology, the testing, and then the practical aspect for both increasing or decreasing the deficit. Highly recommend you get that. That is also available at phpodcast.com. We'll be shooting here soon. We'll have those videos up. Now will be ready to go there. As well as we'll have a bundle deal for anyone who buys the course, they'll get access to the other, get a special discount on the book. Anyone who's already bought the book, they're gonna get a special discount code set to them for the strength deficit course. So stay on the lookout for that. Finally, Realize.me, your command center for all health and data performance. This is my resource I use for not only collecting all of my information from my aura Ring or my Apple Watch or my Polar, also to all of my training, all of my nutrition, everything is pumped into this dashboard and I can create experiments so I can see, hey, I want to lose five pounds or I want to, I want to increase my power, I want to increase this. I want to see the impact from my interventions, and this is where I can use all of that information to create experiments. Put my my conditions, here's what I want to do, here are the things I'm going to test, and see the impact from this training program that I may be doing, or this intervention from a nutritional standpoint. It is a huge resource for me and my clients Now it's starting to get to the point where we can start to get supplements and start to sequester labs. All these cool things in there. So I highly recommend Realize.me. They're in their beta version. Get on there. Get on the newsletter. Credible information on the blog. I've written a four-part blog series going over why this is an important tool for you. So I hope you guys get on that and get access to that special access through PH Podcast. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into filtering information. It's a good one. Make sure you guys check out phpodcast.com. Go through the curriculum. The module's got a bunch of cool resources on there. I think it'll help you guys a ton. Appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you guys on the other side. So here we go. We're back with our coaching course. We're going to go back through this idea of filtering your information. For me, this is this is a critical one for all coaches. And we're coming up on a really good period here, where we're going to get into our off season again, and you know we're going to probably go through uh, winter training and all that good stuff. But as we start to dive into you know what we're going to do or how we're going to do it. You know, there's that element of why we're doing it in the first place that's critical here. And if you've ever read Simon Sinek's Start With Why, it's very simple and very easy to follow concept, which is often forgotten and mistaken, and probably taken for granted. You know, so as we dive into this, you know, stratosphere of, of off-season training and, oh, wow, we got to start to innovate We've got to start to ask ourselves what is innovation to us and you know what is the what are the things that are negotiable to change and what are the other elements of training that we can start to evolve to provide a higher level of service for our clients or athletes so you know one of the things that i think is really important for this is to ask ourselves how do we get here right this proverbial where we're at in our career and what is our philosophy what are our ethos right so if i walked into a weight room that you designed i could probably tell who you are and what you believe in in a very quick manner is that fair probably not but that's that's the world we live in right we have stereotypes and we have we have things that we are associated with based off of the habits or the actions or even the the people that we surround ourselves with Right? So if I walk in and I see a bunch of monoliths and a bunch of reverse hypers, you probably got yourself a pretty good idea that that person really believes in powerlifting. Right? I'm just saying it. Right? And they're probably against weightlifting, snatching, and cleaning, and jerk. Alternatively, if I see a bunch of squat stands and a bunch of, um, a bunch of bumper plates or rubberized plates that bounce on the ground probably go ahead and say, that person's a weightlifter and they probably have uh, stigmatisms associated with bodybuilding type of training. And, and also to on the final end, if all I see is machines, i probably go ahead and say that you believe that bodybuilding or increasing cross-sectional muscle area is the ultimate design of performance training. Is anyone wrong? No, is everyone complete? Absolutely not. And this is what it goes into this idea of we just, we pigeonhole ourselves to this this thing this this framework this ideology that that defines everything that we do for the rest of our career and our life which is a huge huge thing in our industry right and you become in a lot of ways what the medical industry would define as a specialist that works in general capacity and we'll go into that here in a little bit but we're extremely different, right? We're a general auto body mechanic that has to address and work with everybody in anything. And yet we're only, we only have the equipment to work with metric system or BMWs. It's crazy to think about, but one of the things that we have to break down as to why you know, these things exist is, it's just really efficient. It's really efficient to say, I have the answer regardless of the problem. And I'm not saying that's right. And I'm not saying that's the way we should approach this. But imagine every single person you meet, you have to start from scratch and work through everything that they're having a problem with to get some sort of conclusion as to what you should do and then have to work through, how do I organize and structure my intervention to meet that person's needs? now if you're working in the team setting if you're working in a a high volume client setting then this is going to be really hard to do at a high level over a very long period of time now alternatively you might become specialized in an area and you might be that person is your go-to go-to person to accommodate a very specific niche thing. And this is where that that continuum starts to get a little little difficult or a little bit uh, hard to, to traverse because in between where most of us are, including myself, and these extremely very niche subgroups of performance training or strength conditioning, is a whole lot of people with the association with, I don't like who I am or where I'm at, by the way my body looks or feels, and I want you to help me get out of that. But the money's gonna be in people who need your help and services, which is gonna be a lot less specific. It's gonna be a lot more general. It's gonna be a lot more human psychology. Just come in, just keep coming. Go go to the other, just go to training session two days from now. That's what most of us are gonna be falling in this regression to the mean bell curve distribution of what we're gonna be able to offer our clients or athletes. It's gonna be get three times a week for the next 12 weeks over. We're gonna do a very specific and very, very concentrated amount of this thing that I'm really, really good at and specialized in. We're the general primary care physician. We have to have a little bit of knowledge of a lot of things and be able to provide a lot of service to a lot of people for the most part. And as we get a little bit more specific and we can start to get a little bit more granular with what we do, you can start to lean in on that ideology and belief a little bit more because you start to filter the people that you potentially work with. So as we start to break down bias or even preference to training, you know, you have to understand where you're at. And I'm going to go ahead and say that probably 90%, at least of our industry has to be very good in a general capacity. And I I can see that you're probably saying that you're the part of the, the 10% and I can see that you're feeling that you're the person that's the exception to this rule. Remember, regression to the mean is pretty much a law at this point, right? That everyone's going to start to fall into the middle of this bell curve and what they do or how they do it, what they should be doing it for. And unfortunately, if you want to go this long and hard path of being very specialized and having a very small subgroup of the population that you will work with, that you either need to be extremely good at conveying what you're what you're good at, that you're charismatic, that you're personable, that you're very, very uh, well spoken. Or on the other end, you need to have this extremely good network that gets you attached to the people that you want to work with fast, only want to work with celebrities or only want to work with. Elite high performance athletes, or I only want to work with weightlifters, or I only want to work with powerlifters, all I only want to work with is bodybuilders. I only want to work with motivated people that want to do this on a high level and are intrinsically motivated. All they need to do is have the guidance from me, the expert guidance from me to help them along their path. Here's the real caveat to that. They're already really good. They're already really knowledgeable. They're already really capable of doing it themselves. So what redeemable value can you bring them? Really think about it. What redeemable value could you provide that elite level athlete that has either the genetics, the motivation, or the resources to be able to do this on their own? And how are you going to monetize that? Or how are you going to be able to make a career off of that? Now I'm getting on to this rant for a purpose because I think when we start to look at, you know, what is the next step, the proverbial next step of, of what we learn and what we do, it goes into this threshold of, is it worth your time to go into domains outside of it is outside of what you really want to be? And this is a hard question. My answer is gonna be unequivocally, you should absolutely become more well-rounded and more versed in areas that you are not extremely competent. It's the entire premise of this podcast or this actual curriculum, that you need to be well-versed in the ability to coach or impact human psychology. You need to be well-versed in biomechanics or influence movement. You need to be well-versed in in nutrition or the ability to imp- impact someone's physiology or bioenergetics, and then you need to be well-versed in training to impact someone's biomotor abilities, so generating high amounts of force, moving at high amounts of velocity, or going for a long period of time or incredible work capacity. You can't be specialized. It's not as necessarily effective for the person in front of you, the majority of the people you work with, and the longevity or the actual ability for you to make this a career. As much as I would love to tell you, all you got to do is pick this one thing and we contribute this to the long-term athletic development model. Looking at early specializations, actually a mistake for majority of the population, that unless you have the genetic and extreme motivation to the point where it's borderline unhealthy level of focus and discipline which we see the manifestation of that for hypervigilant young athletes in the later part of their career who do actually have the genetic makeup to make it through some of the rigors that they're put through at a young age, that general multi-sport athletes do way better, statistically speaking, over time than specialized athletes, because they are just playing the law of averages here. The same thing could be attributed to coaching, that when you look at a young coach with a very specific goal, and a very specific vector they want to move, the chances of their success are small. They're lessened. You've in your pool of people that you can work with. You've limited your skill set to a very, very small, finite number of things. And you have potentially, and this is important, potentially already taken yourself out of the game because you don't realize that the biggest limiting factor for you to have a successful strength condition career is probably not what you know, but really who you know and how you deliver what you know. So if you don't know the right people, and if you don't know how to deliver it in a charismatic and interesting and compelling way, that you're probably not gonna be as successful as you should have been. And you could be this martyr and keep going about it and this long and arduous road and sacrifice everything. You're a struggling artist and you'll do what you gotta do to get to this outcome, or you can have this much more linear path of developing more broad range skill set to become more competent overall and develop your clients and athletes and meeting them where they're at. That the money is gonna be in people who need your services, not who you want to work with. But it goes into this other aspect of it's easy. And I'm telling you this, it is easier to stay within your domain and realm of things that you already understand or are competent in and keep doubling down on that as an information or educational strategy. I am really competent in this. So I only go to seminars and I only read books relevant to that. Are you challenging yourself or are you just confirming existing beliefs or biases? That if you go to a conference and you know every single person that's there and you know everything that speaker is going to say, if you read a book and you know everything that book is already about within the first sentence and you know all the ins and outs of what that author was portraying in that book, if you do anything outside of the direct athlete to coach, dynamic that's supposedly quote unquote, improving your ability to coach at a higher level, that you already know you are essentially wasting your time, that you have chosen a path to confirm your existing belief and bias. And not only that, you probably shrunk your circle to a very small, finite group of people that you associate with, that you already agree with, that you either block or completely unfollow people on social media that challenge you, that you remove anyone that might potentially be outside of your sphere of influence that you don't like, or that someone that you respect and and admire doesn't like, that you have completely and utterly closed yourself off to anything that may be challenging to your existing belief and your notion that what you do is all knowing and everything everything can be filtered into that. It's a classic hammer and the nail syndrome that everybody over time better be a nail because all I have is a hammer. And that's the danger of this logic that you start to you start to think that what you do can improve everything because you have very little influence outside of that. You've never been challenged or you never exposed yourself to the challenge of having to consider that maybe, just maybe what you do isn't necessarily the only thing you could do. And over time and over periods of, of years and decades, and you just keep pushing and doubling down, that this this extremely very narrowed focus has limited your ability to actually help people at a higher scale. And, and what I also find, and this is something that I think is important to know, Let's say you get lucky. Let's say that you get a group of athletes that adhere to you know, what you do, when you do it, and how you do it. Well, athletes have a finite time and performance as well. And you notice when they start to get to actual monetary value, they actually have a finite time and amount they will give you. And they know their value, that if they're a, if they have a lot of notoriety and a lot of success in their industry or their, their sport, they're probably gonna be more inclined to say, it's our best interest that you don't charge me for this. Or you are getting more value from, from me than I am from you. So if you want to quote unquote work with me, then either you're gonna to have to pay me or actually I'm gonna get this for free. And then it starts to lead into this slippery slope of, Now you've just shrunk your potential monetary value here. And this isn't all the time, but I'm just saying from the most part, the way the world kind of works here is. Is that that moves on to this this concentric circle or this ecosystem that's extremely fragile, because one day that person's going to wake up and go, well, if they're not charging me for it, what's the real value from it? Or, hey, I'm just not not into training with you this offseason or. I'm retiring or hey, I'm just gonna move on and I'm gonna change gears and I'm gonna go with someone else this summer. And then what do you got? The extremely narrow focus and your very narrow, your narrow scope of what you can actually do for someone. It was very limited to this small finite group that's very volatile or very fragile to begin with. And then you have to go out there and start to get back on the horse and try to find new clients and athletes. And hopefully that you created a network within that, not all the time, sometimes. And what happens if you have to explain to someone that you don't know that you worked with these people but they don't work with you anymore because ah, they just wanted to move on to another trainer or they retired or they got, you know God forbid, get hurt. Probably not gonna go ahead and relay that information. And they go, well, how can you help me? How can you meet me where I'm at? I'm a high school athlete i'm a college athlete i'm looking to get ready for the combine and you basically just were you just basically were polishing and wiping the ferrari for the last 10 years proverbially i need some serious work on the engine and the suspension and you don't really know how to do any of that that you've taken this approach of i'm only good at this one very specific thing. And I don't know if necessarily that's something that I need holistically. And this is where I'm thinking about from this idea of filtering information. Let's start off with why we chose to learn what we learned in the first place. That we associated this idea that if I can get extremely specialized that I'll be more valuable. That we can take this overall approach of of let's, let's, uh. Let's become the best in the world at this one very specific thing. And I think a large part of that is stemmed from, that's what I wanna do and that's what I like doing, as well as we have this this comparable model in the medical industry looking at specialized doctors. The difference being is that general practitioner that we have isn't sending them to you, isn't going, yeah, they're gonna be better served with that guy. I'm not giving them to you. I don't want to, unless they're in pain or they have disease. I'm not sending them to another strength coach. It's potentially very specialized. One, I don't believe that's what they need. But two, why would I do that? Why would any general base strength conditioning coach do that? Oh, that you got to go see that person. Now, on the other end. You're not sending them back to me. So this Quid pro quo, like I'm really good at this one thing, and you'll you'll benefit. It'd be the best interest of the client. Well, anyone who's worth the worth the damn and looks at their skill set understands that you probably maybe not bring to a high level value in that one particular area, but I'm way better overall, and I'm probably way better to serve that client or athlete in front of me than that person that's really specialized in that one particular thing. And it. And it could help them in that one area, but overall, it's probably going to be very limiting to what they need from a systemic value. And why is that? Why is that? Why can I say that I can bring more value? And I think this is something that, as I start to break down in my own mind and I start to understand, it's the, it's that fear of the unknown. It's that fear of breaking away from the tribe, so to speak. It's that. It's that element of when you see something you don't know at face value or don't understand immediately. What's your response? And I'm not going to sit there and say that I'm Ernest Shackleton, looking at the Antarctic and saying, "I'm traversing the, I'm traversing the, this entire continent with just a group of men and a couple of dogs, and hoping that I can survive, and most of us will die." Kind of voyage here. It's very, very much a a weekend conference where I go to a city or a state where I don't know anyone and I go to a conference where I walk in and you have that anxiety and feeling of, I just want to make eye contact with someone that I've already been familiar with or maybe I've seen through social media that I can say hi to and feel accepted as opposed to being this weird outsider. And then going through a lecture and people in agreement, shape, nodding your head, and I'm like, I've never heard of this. And I don't even know if I agree with this. I don't even know if this is actually substantiated by support or research. And then getting to the end and having the courage to raise your hand on the the parking lot session and saying, Hey, I didn't really understand that. I know everyone over here around this whole entire room was shaking their head in agreement that this is the this is the panacea of performance training. I just don't really get it. Do you have any resources that I can dive into? Or is there anything you could tell me directly that would help me and understand this a little bit better? That's the stuff I'm talking about in regards to getting outside your comfort zone. You know, one of the things that I don't know if I've talked a whole lot about this on this podcast, but I actually have my first degree in math. And I'll tell you the story about why I chose this, because I was good at it in high school. Bottom line, really good grades in high school. That doesn't mean anything, obviously, right? I'm really good at memorizing is what I found out. I can retain things really quickly and have a very good recall. Doesn't necessarily mean I understood mathematics in a, in a high level. That once we got into the theory and once we got into probabilities and statistics and all these other really high level mathematics is, I really, really struggled. And I mean, struggled. That my, my average level of focus and intensity towards math exposed me when I got to a higher level. Now, what do you do in that circumstance? You know, Do you have ego? Okay, then you're gonna push through. Do you have a lot of pride? You're gonna find a way. Do you have enough intelligence and work ethic to find how to understand this and, and make it through? That's what I learned in getting a degree in math. If you were going to ask me something really complex about mathematics today, I probably wouldn't be able to answer it other than general knowledge of math. But what I did after that is I walked over to the exercise science department of my undergraduate and said, Hey, I want to shift gears here. And the exercise science doctorate or the, the lead of the department kind of laughed at me and she said, Why would you? Why would you get a degree in exercise science, comparatively speaking, to math? It seems like you're set. And I said, well, worse comes to worse, I'll just have a better intimate knowledge of, of what I'm doing when I'm working out. Best case scenario is I get a good I get a profession that I'm more interested in, I'm more capable in, because I'm more interested in it. And you go to this and you go through anatomy and physiology and biomechanics and motor learning and and all the 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 harder classes in exercise science, undergraduate, X phys, and you approach it with that same level of intensity, but it's matched with a lot more interest, and a lot more curiosity, and you get good at it, and you get, you get, get along, and you go, you go to this outcome of, wow, this is what I've been proverbially searching for. It's that fear of. I don't know anything about this. I don't have anything underlying in terms of prerequisites, right? I had to go to A and P, Biochem, all these other prereq courses online, o- online or at this point, at that point in history of history of education, was a local community college in the summer or during winter break. I had to do all of that, and in the end, you learn that learning should be hard. I mean, if you don't know something and you're trying to understand it, that should be a very difficult and arduous process. But what does that that feel like to you? How do you approach that? How do you try to understand that? And your tolerance and bandwidth for that as you get older and you have less time becomes lessened. That I've been coaching now for 20 years and I can honestly say that it is more and more challenging to expose yourself to things that you don't really already understand, or you don't at least have some sort of a semblance of, I could figure that out pretty quickly. Like that that's, that's more daunting now than it ever has been. And I'm not saying that it wasn't, I wasn't afraid and I didn't have anxiety. I didn't have this feeling of this is going to be a lot of work. And I don't know if I want to put that in and then you're in it and then you're like, wow, okay, it looks like I'm, I'm stuck and I got to push through here. That feeling was always there. It's just relative now to the time that I actually had to invest of that and the interest of putting through and going through that. It's like, I can imagine it's, an, it's analogous to me to I don't want to run a ultra marathon ever. And I'm less inclined to want to do that now than I probably was when I was 21. So if I look through my willingness to do things like that, I think we have these windows that we're going to be more open and more malleable to to things out there and if you're a young coach listen to this or if you're just getting into strength conditioning my my advice to you would be don't typecast or limit yourself to one singular thing if you don't understand it or if you have a if you disagree with something don't just push it off and shun it off to the side, go out there and learn what is actually why what they're saying actually something you disagree with. And it means probably reading the resources they have, going to their courses, talking to the people who are applying it. If you're in your first five years of, of strength conditioning or you have very minimal clients, or if you honestly are kind of not doing well, you know, you're, you're building, what do you got to lose? Look, like, what do you have to gain from just being extremely specific at this point in your career? As you go through it, there'll be hardships and there'll be problems, but what I will tell you this is over a course of that period of time where you're willing to go through that, Comparatively speaking, if someone is already just regurgitating things that they already understand and know and doubling down and going to conferences where they start to build this quote unquote network and they can start to, you know, oh, hey, I got my guy, I'm gonna go get lunch with him at, at that break or, oh man, I already knew everything that guy was talking about. It's my third time going to the same conference. What is the, what is the difference between you and that person? It's gonna be immense that your value to a future client or future athlete is going to be way more than that person is extremely specialized. You know, and I, and I think this for me is this like, pivotal moment for all of us and myself included. And I'm going to go through how I pick courses and what I do and my process of that. But, you know, I, I think as you go through this, if you disagree with it violently at this point, you should probably seek to, why, as to understand why. If you look at something and say, that is all wrong, that is the worst thing I've ever seen, or that person's an idiot, you should at least find out why you believe that. Is it based off of your bias? Is it based off of the social group that you're associated with and someone else said they're an idiot? And I'll say it. There's plenty of strength conditioning coaches that I've heard bashed by other strength conditioning coaches and that actually makes me go, I wanna learn more from that person. Why are they so polarizing? Why are they so disruptive to this person over here? I don't know why. And like, I don't know if I necessarily at some points just agree with that coach that's violently uh, opposing another coach or philosophy or ideology or resources. I don't know if I just want to get out of the conversation and say, yeah, yeah, that that person blows, man, he's the worst versus I kind of want to figure out why. And I kind of want to dive into that. And I kind of want to see what I can pull from them. And what that does is push you into boundaries and thresholds and environments that you're not accustomed to. And next thing you know, you look around, you look up, like, I don't know anybody here. And I don't know if anyone here is something I, I would associate with in terms of my personal ethos and philosophy. And what you, what you also will find is that within that subgroup, it's the same trajectory is people getting more narrowed in focus and more more limited to their environment more limited to their personal environment. And you'll sit there and say to yourself, I don't want to get sucked into this. I don't want to get pushed into this social group that is extremely extremely limited and narrowed and obtuse in their in their approach to training or 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 focus of what they're gonna do for someone else. And that's okay. No one said you had to. No one said that you should. And in fact, quite frankly, you should have your boundaries. Is I'm just trying to understand. And I'm trying to process. And I wanna ask good questions because I wanna use this group for what I can get from it. And they're an educational group, myself included. Your job is to get as much out of that resource as possible. That's for you. If a strength conditioning coach or performance coach is, as, has tried to take that proverbial leap into education of other strength conditioning coaches, they are responsible to answer your questions, myself included. That if you ask me a question based off of something that you came to me to learn from, it's my job to answer it with no other expectation. It's a big reason why I have a forum on my website, for a direct line to everybody that asks a question. Hey, I was wondering about this. Well, what's what does this mean? Why does that? Why did you say that? They should have some justifiable answer, myself included. And as you filter your information, as you go through this, you know one of the things that you're going to have to really process is: Do I agree with that because it's wrong? from a empirical evidence standpoint, or do I disagree with that because it threatens my bias and my perception of what I want to be? And I think at this point you could probably go ahead and interpret the answer as, if it's challenging your bias or perception of what you want to be, that's wrong. You're wrong. Because you don't have bumper plates, or because you've never done weightlifting, doesn't make weightlifting wrong. Because you've never competed in a powerlifting competition with squat, bench, and deadlift, doesn't make powerlifting wrong. Because you look at it from the concept of anyone who's just focusing on machines or isolation exercises and, and only doing bodybuilding methods, doesn't make that wrong either. It just makes it something that you're not versed in and something you should probably strive to understand and do at a, some higher level. Instead of first saying that's stupid, that person's an idiot or that they don't have no idea what they're doing. Try to find what the overall philosophy is and reason and mechanisms why they came to that conclusion. And then start to ask questions and then start to look at your own environment or your own situation. And ask yourself, is that better than what I'm currently doing, relatively speaking, to a goal that was presented in front of me? that if someone said, hey, I want to work on total body power, I better not be limited to just accommodating resistance for powerlifting. I'm just telling you, you should have at least a comprehension of how to do plyometrics, speed work, but Olympic lifting, med ball work, maybe potentially some unconventional strength like kettlebells, maces and clubs. If that person said, hey, I just want to get brutally strong, It's all I care about. It's all I need. I did a needs analysis. Got person was was very, very weak. You better have at least an understanding of how to use compound multi-joint lifts with progressive overload, like squat, bench, deadlift, pull up at a high level. If that person just needs to improve lean muscle mass, they're a six foot five, 190 pound freshman that's trying to play tight end. You better have some sort of a semblance of how to create lean muscle mass and there's probably no better school of thought than bodybuilding. Take away your stigmatisms from that. It's not performance training, it's not athletic training. No, but it is the most straight line linear path to an outcome. And that's a fact. You can argue that, you can can try to disprove that, but you're just associating your personal bias and preference or potentially your current setup. Find better ways to manipulate your environment to make that make that process for you better. And nowhere did I say you need to get a monolift. Nowhere did I say you need to get a row of 10 machines of push, pull, and push, pull, hinge, and squat type of setup. Nowhere did I say that you need to get bumper plates and learn how to call Olympic lift. All I said is if you're not willing to get outside of your circle to provide a higher level of service to the person that's coming in front of you, you're probably limiting what your overall effectiveness could be. And there are people out there, there's there's processes out there that are really efficient and really effective. That is the only message I'm trying to convey here. So when you're looking through this, you're essentially sifting for gold. You're getting a bunch of rock, a bunch of pebble. You're shaking it out and hopefully something shiny comes out. If nothing comes out shiny, do you just say, nah, there's no gold in this mountain. I got to give up entirely and pack my bags and move back east. Or do you go back out there and dig another pile? You start to find gold in there. May not. Go back there and find another pile. It's the willingness to dig is what differentiates someone that can find gold or not. It's your willingness to get outside of your comfort zone and find ideologies, philosophies, and even frameworks that you don't currently understand and accepting that this will be hard, this will challenge you, and this is gonna be something that overall may not make a whole systemic change, but it's gonna make you more well-rounded and capable for that time where it actually is needed. That's what filtering your info for me is all about. It's understanding human bias and human stereotyping and and. T- pigeon-holding ourselves to a singular thing that's trivial and unnecessary. And then trying to evolve past that and trying to become a better version of yourself, not for yourself, but for that person that's paying you to be that that person is depending on you to be that. And then over time, this very selfless endeavor becomes self-serving. You have more value. So therefore you're have more, you have, you're more valuable. So therefore you will have more value. That's the way it works. That we're all in this kind of middle of the bell curve fighting to provide as much quality service to the people in front of us as we possibly can. And when it gets to a certain vector of pain or disease, you have to refer out. If it does get to this vector of extremely, extreme specialization, potentially an opportunity to push to someone who can do that. But in the reality of the situation is that's very, very rare. And that your level of service and your level to accommodate people in front of you is going to be. Probably lessen because of your less diverse or very obtuse skill set. All right, guys. Hope this makes sense. If you go on the module on the website, I got a lot of a um, lot of cool bullet points here. I actually put a couple of good resources in there to kind of dive into on this. Uh, I hope this is helping, guys. Make sure you guys check out next week because uh, we're going to go through a little bit more of this practical aspect. And then I got a case study on the website where I go over how I choose con ed, and uh, hopefully that helps. And then above all else you just keep going out there and take my advice go out there and try to find yourself especially in this transition to 2023 Um, and hopefully if you listen to this years from now uh it's going into the next proverbial stage of that year right so just substitute 2023 for next off season or or when i'm done with this training cycle and i got some downtime or it's in season wherever it is push yourself get uncomfortable, find ways to provide higher quality service to the people in front of you, and you won't regret it. I promise you. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Let's see see you guys next week.